Morning Drive with Goodman and Hurdle, presented by Silterhar Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silterhar Mazda. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Bruce. Welcome back. Morning Drive, Goodman Hurdle. Watch us, MyLifeSports.com. You can reach us on the Roller Auctions Twitter feed, at Bruce Hurdle, at Eric Goodman. On Tuesday, November 28th, Roller Auctions having an auction for air compressors, garage door inventory, trucks, forklifts, welders, and more. Get involved. Get notifications about upcoming auctions at rollerauction.com backslash MHS. In the meantime, if you're looking for great food, great drinks, great atmosphere, highly recommend. You go out to Nola Jane in Lodo, authentic Cajun cuisine. Love their Andouille sausage gumbo with dirty rice. They have six different po' boys. I've had most of them, and they are outstanding as well. But their location is really important to consider when going there because they are a five-minute walk from Ball Arena. It's a great place. You can go pre-party before a Nuggets game, an Avs game, a concert as well. Happy hours, 11 a.m. until 5. They have a late-night menu. Go there after the game as well. Love their uh, deck on top. You know, suck down a hurricane up there and just watch life pass you by down in Lodo. Uh, Just a wonderful place to go. Great food. Uh, Make it your new favorite spot to eat, drink, and party. You're going to love Nola Jane in Lodo. Time now for the lead. The lead presented by Sasquatch Casino in Blackhawk. I've said this for years that great NBA players can score 35 to 40 any night they want to. Since Jamal Murray has been out, he's leading the league in scoring. And, and that has probably been one of the biggest knocks on him nationally. Well, I mean, I know he has assists and everything, but he, but is he really that much of a scorer? I mean, that is digging for a split hair, but that's fine. We're talking about last year. Right. Okay, he has all the recognition that he needs. I don't think there are any doubters out there anymore. But if he wanted to have, you know, let me take that back. I was about to say if he wanted to have 15 assists tonight, he could. You're depending on somebody else right. to, hit, to hit shots. I think it was a few games ago he had five assists. He had five assists because guys weren't knocking down shots. Yeah, I mean, right. But he can knock down shots whenever he feels like it. Didn't really do it last night. And still was such it, a... He took he took the game over and basically delivered a win. Now, he had some help. He had some help. And as I'm watching this game last night, I'm thinking my boy Eric is going to be pleased because Jalen Pickett played 17 minutes yes, last night. Yes, he did. And I knew that you would be happy about that well, this morning. Well, you like this kid, and and, and who... And who wouldn't like this kid? I mean, he's barely gotten any playing time. I'm just wondering where 17 minutes came from. I hear you. And not only that, 17... Leverage minutes. Yeah. 17 good minutes. And he produced. Now, he turned it over a couple of times. All right, that's fine. He's a rookie. And he had the ball in his hands. But he didn't seem overwhelmed by the moment. Right. He had Christian Brown. He was... Christian Brown's wingman, basically, because Brown was good last night. Yep. He got to, man, Christian Brown, when he's getting to the basket, is so much of a different player than when he's firing up threes or, I mean, he's just not quite a jump shooter yet. You hope that at some point he gets there, but when he's getting to the basket, his, the level of appreciation you have for him is so much different because he always defends. He's always tough on the other end. He's going to go get a gritty rebound every now and then. 
But I was glad to see Jalen Pickett get some leverage minutes. Yeah. And I was glad to see him play well. I thought it was interesting that he got most of the minutes last night from the new crew. Right. So funny when you look, just look at the box score. Mm -hmm. It might surprise you when you look at what Jokic did. The Nuggets shot 53% from the floor. Yeah. And the two guys who were not good from the floor were Jokic and Porter. Yeah. Off nights. Shooting. They struggled shooting from the floor. But Gordon was beyond efficient. Reggie Mm -hmm. Jackson was efficient. KCP was efficient. Yeah. Like this for efficient. He was two for three from the field. Both of them were three-pointers. Yep. Both of them were three-pointers. Najee, 50%. Peyton Watson hit both of his shots. Uh, Brown, five of six. Pickett, two for three. So they got what they needed from guys that, listen, I know that Aaron Gordon contributes and Reggie Jackson has become a contributor Mm -hmm. for sure. Oh, no question. But they got a lot of production out of guys that, generally speaking, don't give them a lot of production. I'm not talking about points. I'm talking about efficiency when they shot the ball. Well, Gordon, Jackson, KCP, Christian Brown were models of efficiency last night. But it all basically boils down to Nikola Jokic because at key moments of the game, a close game, right? Mm -hmm. So he's 8 of 23 from the floor. Oh, but he only was 14 of 14 from the line. So he scored 14 of his 32 from the line last night. It's not a typical way that he beats you, but last night it was really important because the Nuggets outscored the Clippers 25-21 from the line in a three-point game. Now, the Clippers were terrific shooting threes. They were good. Well, but from the floor, they were not that good. No, they were better from three than they were from the floor. Right. Defensively, how do you think they played against the uh, Clippers? Harden was less than 50%. Russ Book was less than 50%. Kawhi was less than 50%. If you are holding teams to 104, 106, 108 in this league, you are probably doing your job defensively. They only turned them over 10 times. Um, but, and they were out rebounded in the game. Yeah. I mean, so they got, they got some second chance point or opportunities did the Clippers, but the Nuggets did a good job defending all 24 seconds and, uh, and and they were efficient shooting the ball. I think what's impressive about the Nuggets nine and two record is the fact that, and I agree with what Michael Malone said, but it's it's an obvious statement. Mm Mm-hmm. You're going to get everybody's best. Yeah. Unless you're playing your fourth game in five nights. Eric, look at, look at, and and that sounds like such a Joe College kind of remark, but yeah. think about it. This was a Clippers team with essentially four Hall of Famers st- starting, and they wanted to win. They were desperate for a win. And they were playing their asses off to try to get that win. So. Yeah, you go back to the, that kind of remark of getting your best effort. That was a Clippers team that saw going into Denver, albeit in the middle of November, as an important game for them and their development. 
It's a team that's still 0-6 on the road, a team that has now lost six straight games. I'll give you another area, and this is kind of way out there, and I get it, okay? the um, Off the top of your head, quickly, and I mean quickly, All right. Broncos losses this year, quickly. Uh, Kansas City Chiefs, lost, or the Vegas Raiders, Washington Commanders, Miami Dolphins. Uh, okay. Who else? En- en- enough. Okay. So now, now, Nuggets have played more games. Who they lose to? Minnesota Timberwolves and Houston. Houston. Yeah. You know that off the top of your head. Yeah. You know that, but you almost had to. It took you a minute to well, get through the Broncos' losses. Yeah. Only the only because it's the pressure of what's behind gate about behind door number one, door number two, or. You know, the double jeopardy answer that you got to come up with in three right. seconds. But generally speaking, if you follow the Nuggets off the top of your head, you can, you can automatically say, okay, yeah, we lost to Houston. We lost to uh, right. Minnesota. Yeah. That, that's how well they played because you know their losses. Yeah. Because there's so few of them. They're nine and two. Right. No, the Nuggets are, and by the way, an underrated part of all of this will be Michael Malone continuing to work to develop the proper substitution patterns and chemistry from that second unit when they're blending with the first or when the first is blending with the second. And there are going to be times during games where he's got to be able to manage that. And last night was a really good example. Throughout much of the second quarter, though that second unit was on the floor. Right. And by the way, Zeke Naji, who only played 11 minutes, got himself a dunk and got himself an, off of an offensive rebound and, and did, did a couple of nice things too. So these are the things that are going on early in the season. The Nuggets are just doing them well. That's why you get to 9-2. and two. Coming up after the break, Cody Rourke, our Broncos insider from AllySports.com, joins us next. At the risk of quoting Deion Sanders, I'm going to ask Cody do you believe? Hmm. That's next. Something wrong with the world today. I don't know what it is. Something's wrong with our eyes. We're seeing things in a different way. And God knows it ain't his. It sure ain't no surprise. Yeah, we're living on the edge. Morning Drive with Goodman and Hurdle. Presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silterhar Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Bruce. Welcome back. Morning Drive, Goodman Hurdle. Watch us, mileysports.com. You can reach us on the Roller Auctions Twitter feed, at Bruce Hurdle, at Eric Goodman. On Tuesday, November 28th, Roller Auctions having an auction for air compressors, garage door inventory, trucks, forklifts, welders, and more. Get involved, get notifications about upcoming auctions at rollerauction.com backslash MHS. Time now for the buzz. 
The Buzz is presented by Bounce Empire in Lafayette, a 50,000-square-foot indoor amusement park for adults, kids, and families reimagined. All right, let's go out to the hotline. I want to bring in our friend Cody Rourke. He joins us every Wednesday on the show. Of course, you can catch his uh, YouTube podcast, if that's what you want to call it, every day. Good morning, Broncos, at 9 o'clock. So you can hear him now, and then you can watch him in about 40 minutes. With that, good morning, Cody. How are you? I'm good, gentlemen. How are you doing today? Uh, so Bruce and I talked about this leading up to the Bills game. We know they had won two in a row. We know they had beaten Patrick Mahomes. Let's wait to see what happens against the Buffalo Bills on the road on national television. So quoting Deion Sanders, Cody, do you believe? <laughs> uh, you know, I, I believe that they're heading in the right direction. I think that's a good step for them. You know, that was the big you know, big test, big quiz. Okay, you play Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. And everyone's like, oh, it's just a flu game. You know, they lost because Mahomes had the flu. And then, you know, you talk about the Buffalo Bills game. That's a tough place to win. And obviously the the Bills defense is very, very good, even though they're banged up. And Denver's defense came to play, and they kind of set the tone from the very first play of the game. And, look, they, they, they had a couple of chances where it almost got away from them. But, you know, the, the ball went their way for once, which was weird to see. And uh, now they're sitting here with some momentum going into Sunday night football against the Vikings. So I'd say, yeah, I'm believing a little bit that they're, uh, they're turning things around right now, which is a good sign. How tall is this ceiling? How much ceiling is there for this offense, Cody? Because obviously they're, they've bought in now. Four weeks in a row. We've seen this team really commit to being a running football team. But I would argue that we have not seen the development of play action off of their running game to the point where it can really be effective. That seems to be, to me, where the growth really comes with this offense. And that makes things really intriguing because this could be a very interesting type of offense with an ability to consistently throw the ball downfield off play action. Yeah. You know, I think that we're starting to see that even though when, when Denver went play action against Buffalo, I mean, gosh, Buffalo's pass rush was, was really good. I mean, it, very difficult for Russell Wilson to really kind of have just even clean time to set his feet and throw. But Russ obviously made that terrific play to Cortland Sutton, which was, I mean, unbelievable play there. Um, pressure in his face, Javante Williams for the touchdown. I think Denver's biggest issue right now offensively, Bruce, is is the penalties. I mean, nine yeah. penalties out of a ten-penalty game, and, you know, they find themselves south of the sticks. I mean, at one point the broadcast had brought up that there was, like, one play that they were doing. It was the sixth time that night that they were facing a third and 12 or longer. That I mean, that right there is not – and the fact that Denver finished 8 of 19 on third down, like, that is ridiculous to think about considering those circumstances. So – um, you know, the passing game, I think, will, will continue to come along there. I mean, it's evident right now. I think Deshaun Payton believes that they're a better run-blocking team right now than they are in terms of pass protection, which is evident. I mean, they're more consistent in the run-blocking department than pass pro, but um, they're going to have to get the, the passing game going a little bit more. But, look, if Russell Wilson's continuing to be efficient and they're finding ways to get things going, taking some shot plays from time to time, I think it balances out. But I feel like they still need to work a little bit of that intermediate passing game. You know, Jerry Judy didn't see really his first catch, I think, till late in that third quarter, and then he had a really big catch in the fourth quarter on third down. You know, you got to find a way to have more balance there, you know, especially if a team tries to find a way to shut down the run. You have to be able to throw it as well. It appears to me, and Eric and I have talked about this through the first hour, that the buy-in is pretty complete on this football team. But let me ask you about Russell Wilson in particular. 
Where do you think his buy-in is? Is it totally and utterly complete in Sean we trust, or is there a little of the old Russ waiting to wiggle out at some point? Um, yeah, that's a good question. I feel like there might be a little bit of both in there. I know that, you know, Russ, I, Russ trusts Sean and, and obviously, I mean, Russ is playing within the confines of the, you know, the system and how things are called. And I think that's obviously a good thing to see there. There's the buy in there, but you know, I also think Sean also himself wants to, you know, open some things up to what Russell Wilson has done. Well, you know, historically throughout his career, and we've seen some wrinkles of that. Um, and I would say even on that play action play, we saw that to, to Cortland Sutton for the touchdown there, but um, yeah, Denver's just going to have to find a way to continue to build on that. I think another area that Russ has helped the offense, I think also with his legs from time to time, you know, he's finding times to scramble, move the chains and slide and obviously get positive yardage. And then it sets up, you know, third and short or second and short and Denver's, you know, run the ball well, they're getting first downs. And, you know, that's been a huge element to him. And, it, you know, I think that looking back at this game, my biggest gripe that I would have is the defense. They forced four total takeaways. They got a turnover on down stop, and they only came away with one touchdown off of that. I mean, they're going to have to find a way. They, they left a lot of points out there on that field in those situations. So I, I think if we look back and if they can rectify that, yeah, Denver, I think, is going to be in a really good spot. And the schedule coming up to them, honestly, is kind of favorable, especially with the news that Deshaun Watson is going right. to be out for the year for the Cleveland Browns, who they play next week. It's funny that you should say that the uh, schedule is favorable. I think four weeks ago I would say the schedule is favorable. But the Browns' defense is on a historic pace, giving up, what, 242 yards a game. Mm -hmm. The Vikings are red hot right now, and so are the Houston Texans. Four weeks ago I would have said, okay, they're going into the soft part of their schedule. I think about two, three weeks ago uh, Tankathon.com <laughs> said that the Broncos have the second easiest schedule moving forward for the second half of the season. Do you really believe that looking at these upcoming games, I understand with Deshaun Watson being out, that helps. But when you look at the next three games, you're, you're facing three teams that are playing really well right now. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, you know, that's the thing. You know, some of these games are in Denver, which I think, you know, it's a little more advantageous to them than it would be maybe being on the road. But I mean, Denver's also a little bit on fire themselves, especially defensively. And if they can keep that trend up, you know, I think that's that's going to pose a challenge for a guy like C.J. Stroud in a few weeks. I think that's going to pose a challenge for P.J. Walker next week. And I think it's going to pose a challenge for Josh Dobbs. And, yeah. look, you know, they got some talented guys. They're going to get Justin Jefferson back more than likely this week. And they still have Addison. They have Powell. They have T.J. Hawkinson. I'm very, very curious to see what Denver does here. And, look, if Denver can come out on fire this week on Sunday Night Football, and let's say they're able to get a win against Minnesota, then I would say, you know what, I think that my confidence level in the remaining portion of the schedule, I think, shoots up to very high at that point. When you look at a passing game, generally speaking, all the blame is going to go towards the quarterback. You know, why isn't Russell Wilson doing this, and why isn't he doing that? You know, if you want to point the finger at Russell Wilson – Point the finger at him when he had that low throw to Cortland Sutton. If it hit him in the numbers, he probably would have had a first down. Instead, he had to bend over to get the ball and then eventually fumble the ball. But looking at the passing game as a whole, if you had to split it up like a pie, how much of this consistent throwing the ball downfield has to do with Wilson? How much has to do with the pass protection? And how much does it have to do with wide receivers getting separation uh you know i think a lot of it's timing i mean the, the process it's not just one thing or the other i think it's it's overall between okay the the play action setup or even just a drop back how's the pass protection and then obviously what does the coverage shell look like is it a one high shell or is it a two high shell 
Um, are they playing press coverage? Are they playing off coverage? And are they funneling those things, you know, those routes there? I think so much of it against Buffalo is I don't believe that Denver would have had time to even set up on a five-step drop or a seven-step drop to set up some of the deeper shots there. I, I just don't think the protection would have allowed for it considering the simulated looks that Buffalo runs. Um, in terms of that, too, like you only have a certain amount of time. Like the average NFL play lasts around 4.2 seconds. That's the average time for a play there. And when that, when all those combinations are there, if one of those elements is off, it, it affects timing on everything. And I think that's obviously a huge issue. So I think for Denver, in order to get there, I think you got to go with some rhythm, quick passing game, like snap, one step, throw, like just throw to a spot for slant routes. I mean, sit routes. We're, we're not even seeing a lot of hitches, which is weird to me um, because I think that moves the ball down the field six to seven yards. And so, um, I think Denver can get there, but I, so much of it, I think, is based on how the defense is playing them. And, and Sean Payton has said as well throughout this season, anytime they face a too-high shell, they really kind of try to take away some of the things that they want to do. And they don't really embrace the passing attack there. So, to me, it's a little odd because most of the NFL now is in a too-high shell, and you're going to see that, especially if you're going to go on a run. That's how you have to get the passing game going. So I, I'm very curious to see what he has planned. You know, the Broncos win – kind of obscured a little bit of a concern for me in the defensive performance or lack thereof. They gave up over 190 rushing yards in that game to Buffalo, a team that really hasn't utilized a ground game to that kind of effectiveness all season long. Thank God Ken Dorsey was calling throws all over the place because it allowed the Broncos defensively to shine with takeaways. And they got a fumble as well. So, I mean, that that obviously was good stuff. But I was not pleased to see that kind of rear its head again, Cody. 190-plus rushing yards? Come on now. Yeah. Yeah, that was a, that was a concern. They're going to have to shore that up there. Mm-hmm. And, and to be honest with you, it was a little odd that Latavia – I mean, I don't know what they were doing. I haven't, got, I haven't had a chance to go back and watch the All-22 yet. But I'm, I'm very curious to see what they were trying to exploit and attack there. I think Denver, I think they were a little more concerned because Buffalo coming into this game, they didn't really invest much in the rushing side. No. Like they don't, they don't really have an emphasis there. So I think Denver sold out on the passing department. Hmm. And I think that's where they kind of got bit a little bit in the, and obviously the run game there because Buffalo has all these offensive weapons. And now I think you look at it this week, it's almost a similar situation. They have all these receiving weapons in Minnesota but, you know, the run game hasn't necessarily been the greatest there. So, for me, it's, okay, how do you find balance there? What was it specifically that, you know, Buffalo did to try to exploit it? Was it a coaching thing? What, you know, how did they adjust? Because Denver against the runs been pretty good outside of this last game. Uh, luckily, it didn't come back to hurt them, though, giving up 192 on the ground. But that, that can't continue to happen if that happens. And Denver's going to have some issues down the stretch. All right, one quick thing, because you know how I am. I, I love – the game within the game, and for me that means watching number two up against whomever he's having to guard that particular day. He took uh, took 14 out of the game last week, and Stephon Diggs. I hope Justin Jefferson gets to play this week, and I hope that he gets to play as a healthy, functioning receiver because I want to see that matchup. Oh, yeah, this is this is must-see TV between these two guys, and I just think Patrick Sertan's ascendance. I mean, what was it? Stephon Diggs finished with three catches for 34 right. yards. Sertan only allowed one catch for 11 yards in that situation. The other two came against Fabian Moreau. So, 
uh, Sertan Clampton. And I think that this matchup against Justin Jefferson, that's going to be an exciting one. If he's able to play, that's going to be big. That's going to be, you know, you're going to be monitoring. Now, okay, if, if, if he moves to the slot, the Sertan moves to the slot in that situation. I'm excited to see what Vance Joseph has dialed up this week, but Sertan, he's a special player. He's locking guys up and it's fun to see. Mm. Okay. Let, let's, let's move the clock ahead. I don't know. Seven, eight years. Is Pat Sertan potentially a Mount Rushmore guy for the Broncos? I think he has all the tools and possibility to be that, yeah. I mean, I'd say my confidence level in that, if he continues at the trend at which he's at, I think absolutely he will be. Um, so who's your Mount Rushmore? He's a, he's a lockdown player. Who's your Mount Rushmore right <laughs> now? We'll start with we'll start with the obvious, which would be Elway Manning, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Elway Manning. Von. Von Miller is one of those guys. Okay. Champ Bailey. So that would be your four. Um, so would it be Champ over Terrell Davis? Champ over. He loves this question. No, no, I do because no, I know you do, and it's and it's and it's because it's only four. It's, it's four. a weird number. It's like you only got four guys on Mount Rushmore, and when you've got a franchise like the Broncos, and you got enough guys that could Correct. be up there, it's it's tough to figure out who you knock off. So I mean, guys that you would choose from would be. Elway, Manning, Terrell Davis, Shannon Sharp, Randy Gratishar, Steve Atwater, Champ Bailey, uh, Floyd Little. Give me your four. Give me your four. And then tell me who Sertan could replace. There you go. All right. Well, you know, for me, I'm a young guy. I didn't get to watch those guys the way that you did, some of the older guys. So I'm going to go Elway, Manning. I'm going to go Von Miller and Champ Bailey. And then I think that can if yeah. he continues on the trend in which he's at, I think would upend maybe Champ Bailey in yeah. that situation. It would have to be Champ, wouldn't yeah. it? Yeah. I mean, especially if you are They're a, all first ballot Hall of Famers. Right. But but if you are yeah, if you're a first and you've played your entire career in Denver. Well, wait a minute, then Man- Manning's on the list. No, Manning it, it doesn't make any difference. I'm talking about the comparison to Champ. Okay. Not not to Manning. Manning, it doesn't matter. Those 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 years were magic. Oh yeah, magic! I went when he when Cody said he, he's not as old as us. Um, what were you like six <laughs> or seven in uh, two thousand and twelve? Uh, oh, well, Cody, when 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 Cody comes up at practice, he always says, "Hey, you getting along okay?" You know, as if like I might need to right. to sit down and get some air. Why me to, every wh- now and then? Why me to WD forty uh, some of those rollers on your walker? <laughs> I appreciate it. Thanks for looking out for me, Cody. Hey, Cody, thanks for your time, buddy. Always. All right, buddy. Appreciate See, you guys. Have a good one. See yeah. you, man. Uh, coming up after the break, Nathaniel Hackett. How's he doing as the Jets' offensive coordinator? Can be easily comparable to how he did as the play caller for the Broncos. Aaron Rodgers believes in Nathaniel Hackett, but is Nathaniel Hackett really that bad of a play caller? Or can you make the case Zach Wilson isn't a very good quarterback? That's next. Morning Drive with Goodman and Hurdle, presented by Silterhar Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silterhar Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com.
Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Bruce. Welcome back. Morning Drive, Goodman Hurdle. Watch us, MyLifeSports.com. You can reach us. Roller Auctions Twitter feed at Bruce Hurdle at Eric Goodman on Tuesday, November 28th. Roller Auctions is having an auction for air compressors, garage door inventory, trucks, forklifts, welders, and more. Get involved. Get notifications about upcoming auctions at RollerAuction.com backslash MHS. Time now for What's Trending. What's Trending. Presented by Silterhar Mazda. Get to Silterhar in Broomfield for a no-pressure buying experience at Silterhar Mazda or find them at sdhmazda.com. Nathaniel Hackett, the uh, offensive coordinator for the Jets. When you look at the last 17 games he's had as a play caller, including the Broncos, one or fewer touchdowns 14 times. 14 times. Aaron Rodgers threw his support behind Hackett, uh, saying that... um, that he knows that Hackett has come under fire, but I won MVP twice in the same offense, so I'm a believer. I'm a believer in this offense. That might very well be true, but that was Matt LaFleur's offense, and Matt LaFleur was calling plays. It's true, and let's face it, to a degree, and we can discuss the degree in a moment, Nathaniel Hackett has been dealt a bad hand. Certainly, everyone was expecting Aaron Rodgers to be the guy in New York. It's been Zach Wilson, who I think, frankly, has been okay, but they just haven't been very productive. Where it gets more interesting for me now is to look in retrospect for the time that he spent with Russell Wilson based on the way that Russell Wilson has, quote-unquote, bounced back this year yep. under Sean Payton. What does it say about Nathaniel Hackett and how that offense worked or didn't work with Russell Wilson? Russell wanted to cook. He did. And if you remember, we got Russell Wilson! <laughs> so you knew that Hackett was going to Never do gets it. old, by the way. He was going to do whatever he could. We were due for one. Yes, we were. To make Russell Wilson happy. <laughs> Yes. And Russell Wilson is not the guy who can cook anymore. You can't give him the keys to the kingdom. Right. He, ha- You can argue all you want about, about his, the leeway that he has to be Russell Wilson. It, in his current situation where he is being help, held under wraps by Sean Payton and not being asked to do too much, it appears to be working. It appears to be working. So, yes, it has been a very interesting process in watching Nathaniel Hackett swing and miss as a play caller, not only in Denver, but in New York as well. And I don't know how much more time he is going to have because if this doesn't get any better for the Jets, which have a very good defense, we know that firsthand. Great defense. Very good defense. He's going to be out unless Aaron Rodgers pounds the table he for will. him. He will. I, and I, you know, and Aaron Rodgers is a loyal guy to the he people is. He that, is. that are loyal to him. I agree. Yeah, you can say a lot about Aaron Rodgers, but I think he's very loyal. He didn't come to the Jets because he liked the color scheme of green. He went to the Jets because he wanted to work with Hackett again. Yeah, I guess so. And he also knows he can kind of get his way with Hackett, too. But there's a difference about a guy like Aaron Rodgers doing it. 
because Aaron Rodgers gets it. He gets the offense. He understands it. God, that dude. Aaron Rodgers is a remarkable quarterback. And and I don't know at age, what, 39 or wherever he's going to be, whether those attributes are still going to be there. But his feet are great. His ability to extend plays. He doesn't panic. Everything that you're saying is 100% true. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, with the way that we evaluate quarterbacks, how many Super Bowls has Aaron Rodgers won? One. How about Russell Wilson? That would be one. How How many times has Aaron Rodgers played for a Super Bowl? One. How many times has Russell Wilson? Twice. Two, and he should be two for two. Right. Should be. Right. So if you're going to go by that metric, you know, we can say we know what Aaron Rodgers is. Russell Wilson with the um, with the Seahawks was a Hall of Fame quarterback. Yep, period. And he might not be as, listen, it's kind of like comparing, oh, I don't know, Ben Roethlisberger to Dan Marino. Who would you rather have? Roethlisberger won two Super Bowls. Yeah. Marino didn't win any. But we know who's better. Probably the most prolific passer for throw in the history of the game. What do we have coming up on Just In Case You Missed It? We'll discuss Pierre Lacroix officially going into the Hockey Hall of Fame and also talk about the latest college football playoff rankings. That's all next on Morning Drive with Goodman and Hurdle on Mile High Sports. Morning Drive with Goodman and Hurdle, presented by Silterhar Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silterhar Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Bruce. The Beach Boys are easily one of the most underrated bands ever, ever, ever. The way they laid down tracks... They set a whole new sound to music. The Beatles stole from Pet Sounds. Stole All right. from, well, that's just a fact. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, what's your fact? My, 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 Where does that come from? My fact has, is... Has Paul McCartney said that? John Lennon did. Yeah. Okay. okay. What he said was, when it came to organizing music... Harmonies. The, the inspiration for Sgt. Pepper was Pet Sounds. In terms of the way Brian Wilson laid out tracks, okay, they were one of the first. I'll find it for you on Google. Maybe I believe you. I, I, I'm not as big a fan of the Beach Boys as you are. I'm not a huge fan of their music, yeah. but, but I appreciate the way they changed the sound of music. Contributions made. Tremendous. Pet Sounds is a top Bob Dylan made contributions. I couldn't care less about Bob Dylan. He was a great lyricist. You couldn't understand what he was saying. I'm like, right. Yeah. Anyway, uh, if you want to reach us, you can do so on the Roller Auctions Twitter feed at Bruce Hurdle at Eric Goodman on Tuesday, November 28th. Roller Auctions is having an auction for air compressors, garage door inventory, trucks, forklifts, welders, and more. Get involved. Get notifications about upcoming auctions at rollerauction.com backslash MHS. Time now. The final word. The final word. Presented by Sasquatch Casino in Blackhawk. 
Just in case you missed it, is presented by Argonaut Wine and Liquor. You need to see why Westward named it the best liquor store in Denver. Five years running. Or order online at ArgonautLiquor.com. Oh, wait, can I, can I just say this real quick? Yep. This, is, this is a quote from Paul McCartney. I played Pet Sounds to John so much that it would be difficult for him to escape the influence. If records had a director within a band, I sort of directed Sgt. Pepper, and my influence was basically the Pet Sounds album. There you go. That's Paul McCartney. Pretty good. That's it. Move on. Carry on. All right. And that was interesting, by the way. Uh, All right. Just in case you missed it, uh, Pierre Lacroix officially was inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame on Monday night. Pierre's grandson, Max, received his honored member plaque from Joe Sackick. Uh, Lacroix was a two-time Stanley Cup winning general manager with the Avalanche, was also an influential player agent. Uh, in this town, how important of a sports figure is Pierre Lacroix? Enormous. He came here from Quebec, set a culture, won a Stanley Cup right away, made shrewd trades like the one for Patrick Waugh. He was arguably the best GM in the history of this city hmm. because he helped bring two championships to this city. Yeah. He won the first championship, right? Broncos won a couple, then he won another. With no salary cap, I hate to say it this way, Pierre Lacroix was amazing. He always brought in the right guys. He knew the right pieces. He knew that they would fit together and how to fit them together. But he even he would admit that he made plenty of mistakes following the lockout because he was not prepared enough for it. Salary cap change the very meaning of the job. However, however, let's look at baseball where there isn't one. Right. And you have teams with unlimited salary cap, yet they still can't get to the World Series. Right. Can't win a World Series. Sometimes can't even get to the playoffs. So your argument is spot on Mm -hmm. that it changes because you have a salary cap in basketball. You have a salary cap in, in all the major sports with the exception of baseball. But just because you have that advantage doesn't mean you are good at building a team. Right. And he was amazing at building a team. And oh, by the way, I believe Mike Keene came over in that Patrick Waugh deal, and he was a captain with the Montreal Canadiens, and he was an integral part to the Avs winning a cup as well. It's a guy I wish I'd have known. I, I didn't know him. He was as smart as they come. And uh, you weren't doing your job right unless you got a phone call from Pierre <laughs> or you didn't piss him off, and I got that phone call one day. Well, there you go. I think it was about David Abisher. Can you please hold? Pierre would like to talk to you. That's always fun. Yep. When you get called into the principal's office. Well, you know what? He's free. I mean, he, he knew hockey so well. I would never claim to know even one one-hundredth of what he knew, but he was nice enough on the phone and he explained to me, yada, yada, yada. Well, you always hope when you do get a call like that, and I've gotten calls like that, that you gain some knowledge from the call. Right. You know, that 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 there is not just dressing you down, it's more along the lines of, here's my thinking. It's also a compliment because clearly they think enough of you as a media member and your influence that they want to... Oh, I haven't set, thought of it that way. They I want to, that's right. They want yeah. to set you straight. And I don't mean that in a mean way. You take it as a compliment that you thought enough of my opinion to tell me I'm wrong. I got one of those from Larry Brown once. Well, yeah. I got one from Larry Brown, and it was... And, and 
and he was aggressive, and I was aggressive back. I've had moments being here with Mike Shanahan like that, mm-hmm. Pierre Lacroix like that, Dan O'Dowd like that, <laughs> and Mark Warkentine like that. In other words, you've pissed off just about anyone. You're not doing your job right. <laughs> if you haven't gotten somebody upset, it's not the goal to get somebody upset, but at least they value your opinion enough to give you a phone call or say, please step into my office. That's a, that's a good point, and you're right. I don't get that anymore. I'm a nobody now. Not that I was a somebody back then. I don't know how much it happens now. I don't know. I don't know. I I think we live in a different age now. Why? I'm not sure, but I just think the whole idea of, I mean, Sean Payton can fire out a text. Right. And that's kind of his. I mean a tweet. A tweet, yeah. yeah. Yeah, sorry about that. Yeah, I he was part of that out, too. He can fire out a tweet. Yeah. So you can do that on social media now, or you can have your people do it well, he, on social media. But, but this is where things have changed as well. Now there are a lot of fanboys covering and, and they just go to them instead. They'll give they'll give the supporters stuff. That has certainly changed. They don't they don't pay attention really to the critics anymore because they because the critics have been overridden by people who only write positive things. A lot of sunshine being blown up the backside. All right, just in case you missed it, after Georgia had back-to-back wins over top 25 opponents, Missouri and Ole Miss, Georgia overtook Ohio State for the number one spot in the newest college football playoff rankings. Ohio State now number two, and then spots three through eight remain the same. Michigan at three, Florida State at four, Washington at five, Oregon at 6, Texas at 7, and then Bama at 8. Any comments on the newest rankings that has Georgia back at number 1? I'm fine with that. Makes no difference to me. We're getting closer to the point where it starts to matter a little bit. To me, I need to see Washington or Oregon in that final four. That's just my own personal belief. And then Texas, who has a loss to Oklahoma, but beat Alabama on the road. That might be the most impressive win of any team in the country this season. By the way, here's something to keep an eye out for. Ewers, their quarterback, is planning on coming back. What does that mean for a kid by the name of Manning? Arch Manning, we will see. That was Argonaut Wine and Liquor, just in case you missed it. Starting tomorrow, all wines from Italy, 15% off. You can order online through their app, ArgonautLiquor.com. Check them out off of Colfax. See why Westward calls them the best liquor store in Denver. Five years running. That's going to do it for us. Gordon, fantastic job today. I believe you pretty much flew solo all by yourself. Well done. As for you, Alex, <laughs> time to step up your game. With that, he played He played some Hall and Oates today. Yeah. And he, and he played something from Pet Sounds. Yeah. That's a pretty good day. Well, it's a pretty good album that Paul McCartney credits for Sgt. Pepper. Make it the best possible day again.